Black men are strong and filled with rich heritage. We black men matter, and our health should be a priority. Now is the time to educate ourselves on how we can live a longer and fuller life for our families and most importantly ourselves. This is Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships. Here are your hosts, Dr. Ken Harris and Dr. Bashir Easter. We're here, men making health a priority once again, uh, men and mental health. This week, we're going to be talking to, of course, the illustrious, the stupendous Dr. Bashir Easter. How are you, sir? I'm good. How you doing, Dr. Ken? Ready for this week. All right. All right. And our guest, I'm 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 kind of overwhelmed and excited and like ready to pass out because I saw this guy in motion like all over. I mean, he's he's all over the country. He's all over the world. Uh, Garrett Davis, you are uh, first of all, welcome to men making health a priority. We are we are in the midst of. The guy that that kind of started all this stuff with Daddy's Boys, and you've done phenomenal work in the black community where mental health has really become a uh, uh, an issue, but it's also being resolved at the same time. And so, before we get rolling, uh, Doctor Easter, can you can you give us an overview of just just what this whole men and mental health thing is all about? Yeah, we I could definitely do that as we uh, talked before. Well, men are not taking their health as a priority. Uh, and, and there's a various amount of reasons why that is. But as we talked about, we're trying to find some solutions with that. Um, and so in doing so, we're really trying to get the men to be able to focus on some of the things that they can control right now. So they talk about their their blood pressure. They're, uh, they're talking about their, their, their metabolic panels, lipid panels, as we talked about before. But then we are talking about how does it impact their mind as we're doing these men's health events. We did three months of the body. Now we're doing three months of the mind. And what are the things that are going on that's causing us issues? And this really started off with uh, Garrett Davis to talk about stress and and mental health and black men. And then what are those things and how do we deal with them? And so uh, I don't know whether to call you. Garrett, or after I saw the movie, Mr. Davis, you know, I mean, it feels like <laughs> you should have already won an Academy Award. But but you you talk about mental health in a way that many people are are moved because of the the sheer power of helping black men overcome mental health issues. What even got you in this realm of, of talking about black men and mental health? Well, first of all, um, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be on your program today. And you, know, you give me a lot of accolades and a lot of praise, but, you know, I give God the credit. And then, two, you know, you guys need to look in the mirror because if not for platforms that you guys exist and you guys take care of, I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do. So I think it's a collective effort on all of our parts. But in terms of men and mental health, man, it's, you know, what man has a good experience the doctor. You know, when you when you say men versus women, women have a history of going to the doctor, have a history of going to get checkups, have a history of going to get things. And, you know, they're good experiences. Men, you know, we go to the doctor at the last resort. So, you know, we can't tell you a good experience about going to the doctor. We go to the doctor, we have a pain. And then before you know it, that pain has turned into prostate cancer, it's turned into something else. And so when you say going to the doctor to a man, we don't have anything good to kind of lean on. And so what I wanted to do was 
or to try to create an, an, an experience where men can get out in front. You know, you heard Doc Bissier talking about you know, certain numbers. And so we we want men to know their numbers. And so what better way for the men to know their numbers than to be in the barbershop joking about numbers. And before you know it, it turns into knowing your particular numbers about the numbers that you're going to stick around to. So I, I like to create events and create scenes and create projects to meet people where they are because we all learn differently. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to take care of our families and and take care of our wives and our kids. We got to be around to do it. And a lot of times, you know, you know, I don't I don't want us to be scared to, to go to the doctor. I want us to get out in front. And so that doesn't happen overnight. So just trying to put those messages out in front to make men comfortable to have those conversations. OK, so we're in this first segment. I may as well cause trouble right away. So <laughs> we talk about knowing your numbers. How do I assign knowing your numbers to mental health? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of times things get misdiagnosed. OK. And so, for instance, let's say Alzheimer's. And what happened with Alzheimer's, you know, you know, it's been in our community for years. African-Americans are twice as likely to get Alzheimer's than any other group. And so but in our community back in the day, you know, my mom a little senile. You know what I'm saying? No, you know, not right. mom a little touched. And so, you know, in, in a mental health situation, what happens when, when you don't if you don't know your basic health needs, what's going on with your body, if you don't know your blood pressure, if you don't know your certain numbers, how are you going to know if something's wrong with you mentally? You know, so there are layers to this thing. And so the first layer starts with something as simple as um, I, I don't think a man is going to be going to be frightened or intimidated by knowing what his blood pressure should be. And so if I can get a man to understand the basic numbers, mm-hmm. then the next players understand when I'm not okay, who do I talk to? When I, What happens when I'm not okay? Is, is that I'm having a bad day or is that something that's a little bit more than that? So we got to start somewhere. So I chose to start with the numbers. All right. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. I'm here with Dr. Bashir Easter and our guest, Garrett Davis, talking about men and mental health. <laughs> Dr. Bashir, you've, you've seen men in those group arenas Garrett, you've seen men in those group arenas. What is it about mental health that causes men to turn off? So right away, we don't think of it as mental health. What we'll do is we'll go to the gym. We'll work out, right? We'll do that. We'll do things to get our hair cut, right? We'll put some nice clothes on. But we, when we are having, what would you say, a bad day, we don't associate it with depression. We don't associate things that are going on with us every day as a physical reaction to the issue. That's our mental health. And so what we just say is, hey, I need some time. And what we'll do is we'll try to find other ways to deal with what we don't even call stress. We don't even name it stress. We don't name, we don't give it a name. And we are human beings. Our body deals with stress differently because we're different individuals. But we don't even associate that our brain is a part of our body. And, and, and so we have these things in that meeting when we all got together. What I started to notice is that the men started to open up and share all of these things that were stressful, but never associated how it made them feel mentally. We had to literally say, because anyone had a day that they just didn't want to do anything and couldn't move. People were raising their hands. Right. Do you know that stress that goes with depression? Right. And so you have to go into an understanding of education of the terms of how your body reacts to get them down to literally to to uh, educating them about, as uh, Mr. Garrett said, the basic level of you. And so once we started to do that, the people were saying like, oh, well, that's what that is. That's what it means when I feel like that. When I want to be alone, I just get in the car and don't want to be around anyone. 
that's where we're getting people to recognize there's terms to this. And so with the, the movie that we watched, it made it funny. We were able to laugh with some of the things and educate the men at the same time in laughter for them to understand what was going on with them. So, you know, one of the things that, that stood out to me is if I'm a black man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get personal here. I'm a black man and I'm trying to take care of my family. I possibly may be working two jobs. Every home situation is different. There are certain levels of stress that come with that. But then there are certain things that, you know, this whole macho image standpoint thing that if if I'm tired of working, if I'm tired of dealing with the kids, if I'm tired of dealing with certain things and I need a break, I don't know that that's stress. I just think I'm overwhelmed. So I don't even know what to call it. And so a lot of times, you know, men don't even know they're depressed. Men don't even know they're overwhelmed. They just think that it's, I just need a break. But a break from what? So until you put yourself in a group who has knows something a little bit more than you. So if I'm in a, if I'm having a, a conversation with Dr. Basia and he's telling me, gee, you know, you, you know, it, 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 he's more than just overwhelmed. You might need to, let's talk about mental, mental health. Well, if I'm not around people that can talk about mental health, I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, not even knowing until it gets to the point of no return. Wow. Before we go to break, I have a question either of you can answer. So you, you've all taken like baby pictures and pictures at school. Right. And so when you hold them up, you go through your yearbooks and you start to see pictures of, you know, you as you in elementary school and middle school and you know, high school and, you know, for Dr. Easter, that was like, you know, 200 years ago and stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but if I wanted to put a picture on mental health, does it look different in the in the middle schooler or high schooler versus the 20 year old versus the 40 year old? Like like what does mental health look like at those stages? Because I know you talk to a large group of men, but, you know. Like, I'm a baby boomer, so, you know, we don't have a problem telling you, look, I did this and I had to go through this and did that, right? But now we have a younger uh, group of, of young men who are open about, like, they're more open than anybody I've ever seen in my life. But you still got that that closed door of that, you know, late 30s, early 40s, who just don't talk. Does mental health, does it look different in different age groups or... Uh, I'm going to add just a little bit of that. And uh, Brother David, you can add. So when we talk about the changes in the brain, we're talking about chemical ah. changes. So when we talk about stress. There's a there. What is it called? Cortisol. That cortisol. that actually starts starts to build up. And actually, they say it's stored, usually stored in the gut or whatever the case would be. But you're talking about endorphins and all those things that that's a chemical change in the brain that actually impacts the brain itself that we're not associating with it. We think it's something phantom. We think it's something that could just be brushed off. And yes, when you talk about the developmental level of an adolescent to an adult, as you talk about men, we, we don't develop as, as fast as the women, as they say. What? But wait a talk minute. about wait a ages minute. of... Wait a minute. <laughs> Are you well, serious? So let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me go back. So <laughs> the adult brain really doesn't become mature until about age 25. There we right? go. And so you're yes. saying that men are even slower. Yes. Wow. Yes. And so when we go into discussing what an adolescent is able to deal with in regards to being resilient, the brain is still developing and growing and still and still learning. We get to a point at our age, as the, uh, Brother David stated, in our age that we just deal with it. We don't even recognize 
that we do need to do things to reduce those stressful things. He talked about Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease, it talks about a physical change in the brain. We're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia-related dementia. Mm-hmm. When we talk about mental health, we're talking about it's a chemical change. And if you take some medication, you can baseline yourself dealing with that. It's not a physical change in the brain, right? And these are things that we try to educate the men on to understand themselves at the core level of how they're, how they're operating as a man. Dr. Bashir Easter from UW All of Us, Milwaukee. He's the assistant director. Our guest, filmmaker extraordinaire of Daddy's Boys, Garrett Davis. When we come back, I want to ask you about young men and what's going on with things like reckless driving. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority. This week, men and mental health. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back to Men Making Health a Priority. So, before we went to break, I, we, we were talking about young men, we were talking about older men, that, that whole picture of what it actually looks like. But can you tell me what are some of the signs that we need to look at in our young men and our young boys? I think each of us have probably known at least one person that has committed suicide and it's come out of the blue. COVID didn't help. And then all the life stressors you have, all those things that just constantly hit us. And by and large, I think we all have to agree the black community is probably the most resilient community in the world. But only until recently has there been an uptick in African-American suicide. And I think this was before COVID. So what are some of the telltale signs? And, and I know we're, we're being very general because you don't want to accuse somebody of thinking something and they're not. But what are some of those, Garrett, what, what are some of those telltale signs that when I, when I look at Garrett and I see Garrett, what do I need to look for if something changes and I need to be aware that there may be a mental health issue? I would say, you know, when you said men making uh, mental health a priority, Think about what you just said. I mean, men don't make health a priority in general. And now you're adding another word mental on top of it. Mm-hmm. One of the things is the, 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 the negative side I think in our culture is that we won't recognize because we're not paying attention. So you're asking me, how do I see it when I'm never looking for it? And you're asking me to recognize something that the only way I'm going to recognize it, it has to be way out of the normal for me to even ask what's going on, because I'm so used to being reared in adversity and born up in hardship. I just figure, you know, that brother, you know, I'm gonna pray for him because, you know, you know, he got a lot on him. And so it, sometimes we don't even know what to look for. So, you know, we can't honestly answer that question in terms of what are we looking for? Because we don't know what to look for ourselves. I'm just being honest. Now we need to we need to lay out what to look for, but in general, I don't think brothers know what to look for. I don't until it's until it's to a point where everybody can recognize it. But from an early sign standpoint, you know, you know, Doc can help me. Doc, you can help me out. I don't know if we know what to look for. That is so true because when we go into it, as we said, we know some individuals that have taken their life. I know I have, and we think about it and we think back. 
And you can't think of some of the things that led up to that. And, and I'll give a good example. We talk about uh, one of the things that I, I can tell you that I noticed is being withdrawn. The individual stepped away, right? And it, whether it's the idea of their working and all that stuff like that, to the point where we actually connected to one of the brothers and he finally told us what was really going on with him. Uh, had a great fa- fantastic job. He was doing well with himself that we thought was in a great location that we thought, but he was suffering in silence. He was going home and he was drinking himself to death and then going right to work right after that. And so the sh- that we talk about stress, not knowing what the stresses were. His stresses were being alone. His stresses were thinking of things that happened to him in the past that he felt had survivor's remorse. We had no idea that this was going on. He didn't either. He was just going through it. So when you talk about certain signs, the only thing that we can notice is, is the being withdrawn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially in their, their, their mood changes, right? They, they, they're not necessarily as engaged with everyone as they used to be, right? But there are things that even notice as a young um, beauty queen that jumped off of the building. Everyone mm-hmm. that they talked to said they had no under, no no clue, but she did say she has she knew about being depressed, so she had a history of depression. At least she knew that, right? We're talking with with men at this point that have no clue on what's going on with them regarding some of the stressors, and we're really trying to to get men to pay more attention to that. Okay, so you know, go, go I, on. You know, I'm talking about myself, mm-hmm. and I have. I have trained, I don't want to use the word trained, but I, I put in place when I'm overwhelmed, I'll tell my wife, look, I, I, don't bother me right now. I need a break. So that could be a clue. You know, from a person who loves me, she's going to give me what I want. But in terms of if she's not thinking mental health, she won't press. She'll just give me my space. But in that space, I could be depressed for a moment. In that space, I could be, you know, don't know what I'm going to do for a moment. I'm just dealing with it the best way I, I know how because I don't want no one to know what I'm going through. So that could be a sign. Even though you're, you, and, 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 and how this thing is so tricky, you know, here is a person that you love, that this is your partner, and, and your partner tells you, just give me a little space, you give it to them. But it could be the opposite where you, okay, why do you need this? It could be the question, why do you need this space? And I add a one piece to that. And I, I know I'm talking, but you got my wheels turning. It's not the checking on the always the individual who is who is not connecting. Check on the ones who are the mm-hmm. ones that are that you think that I got to worry about this because I've heard from and stuff. Yes, you do. But also check on the everyone. Always have a conversation. As we talk about the Wolfpack, uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Ken, it is connecting with these brothers to say, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Because they may not say anything and everything is they you, on the outside looks fine but in truth they're not just like brother david said give me some space me actually could mean i need to get this out and talk yeah. i don't necessarily need to be alone i need you to understand i need to get this out because i don't understand what i'm going through and therapy is something we're trying to get men to also realize it's okay to go to therapy to have someone to talk to and that was actually in the film was the part of the conversation of, hey, I'm going to go talk to somebody about what's going on with me because I'm not right now an expert on myself. Well, you know, I want to I, I want to go to two. Uh, I, I hear you, brother Garrett. I want to go to two areas that I think are probably taboo, but I'm gonna go there anyway, and <laughs> and, and then we're gonna circle back around to what what Garrett was gonna say, but and. I'm only going to ask for a 30 second answer from each of you, because I know when I say it, it's going to take on a whole different meaning. Has the church done damage 
to black men as it relates to mental health? And I'll start with Garrett. Why are you going to start with me? <laughs> okay, I'll start with, with Dr. Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> has, has the church, I, you know. Okay, I won't, I won't use the word damage. This is the word I will use. I don't think they have made a platform to make it safe for men to understand the importance of therapy. Okay. I don't think they've done all that they can to do that. I won't, because when you say damage, that means they're, they're against. And I think, you know, there's a thin line between God's going to heal me and then God's going to direct me to where to go to where I need to get help. And he may be directing me to a therapist. And so I think, I think, you know, I think, you know, the church and whole needs to do a better job of making sure, you know, to explain fully because therapy is not a bad word. You know what I'm saying? It is not. And then because of media, because of television, because of all these things, you know, the perception, if you go into therapy, something's wrong with you. Okay, so if I go to the doctor, is that bad? If, some, if, if I'm sick and go to the doctor, is that bad? So if I'm mentally sick, why can't I go to a therapist? Why should that be bad? I'm still going somewhere and getting help. It's, so I think we need to do a better job of explaining and breaking down those, those foopaws that, you know, that, that mm-hmm. cause men and women not to want to go. Well, the reason I use the word damage is because there are people who have gone on to harm themselves and harm others mm-hmm. based on being told, well, just pray about it. And, and as, a, as a Christian, I find fault in that. But then I also know that. So how do we help the church? How do we restore the church? And then how do we help the church restore others? And I, I think you you gave a great answer in relation to there are just some things we have to make safe for people to do. Uh, I'm afraid to say this, but Brother Easter, what do you think? It's just real quick. <laughs> I just heard this. I promise you, just heard this today. That they, The men stated that there's an issue regarding uh, people with, with faith to believe that they're going against trusting God. Because they feel like if they go and get help, then they don't believe God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And that is not true. He said, um, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. He said, you you have, he, he says, I'm giving you all the abilities to be able to do for yourself, to help, uh, help those who help themselves. And so understanding that God gave a lot of the individuals the ability to do the work that they do to help you. My, I use a term, God uses his people to help his people. And I believe that we're doing that just right now. He's using us right now to help people as they're listening to what we're talking about, to help themselves. And so I do believe that we talk about making that determination that believing in God and what he's going to do is also, you got to move your feet. You got to do something. And those individuals have the ability and skills and the knowledge to help you and, and, and that's where that education with, with Brother Davis, uh, Davis is saying is that's what needs to be saying. It's OK. There's nothing wrong with that. And so I've had the instance where growing up, I always remembered in the back of my mind that as men age, they become quieter and they become alone. Like they want to be by themselves. They want to, you know, just do my thing. But then one thing I noticed, probably the most dangerous thing a man can ever have is a man cave. The fact that you go somewhere to be by yourself and you want to be by yourself when actually you should be actually doing that. And so I found myself after retirement just starting to withdraw. Eh, I don't bother anybody. I don't want to be. I'll do this. And then I said to myself, OK, so wait a minute. I'm starting to fix up my basement. OK, we got to stop this. I'm going to mm-hmm. fix up the basement. And now every week I make a concerted effort to either go somewhere 
or be with someone so that I'm not alone. So and, that you have Garrett, that interaction. And Garrett, let me and add this to this. Isn't one of the biggest issues we talk about people with Alzheimer's and having issues is isolation? Mm-hmm. isolation. So what is the difference with anyone else? If isolation is an issue for those, then why is it not an issue for me? Right. Exactly. I was going to say that um, it is very important. You know, if, if for those that are listening to my voice, if you got a men's group, if it's like if it ain't but five, if you start something every day that where you say, I'm just checking on you, you're OK. It may sound it may sound mundamic, but what, what's going to happen is. I'm going to if I'm in that group and there's something wrong with me, I'm looking forward to someone asking me, am I OK? So I can so I can let it out. And so I think I, I don't don't belittle asking your brothers, are you OK? I would do I would do that every day because at some point what's that what what that is going to do is allow me to know, OK, he's going to give me an opportunity to speak. I don't ha- I don't have to I don't have to bring it up. They're going to bring it up and I can and I can do that. I think that's important. All right. Absolutely. Men making health a priority, men and mental health. My guests are Garrett Davis and, of course, as always, Dr. Bashir Easter. When we come back, I want to know your thoughts on how we flip mental health literacy to mental health fluency. We'll be right back. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority. Well, men, I, I, you know, I, I said I was going to flip it and, and talk about something quickly, but I got to ask the question. And, and Garrett, you know this because you've gone all over the country and interviewed people and 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 um, Dr. Easter works with men pretty much on a daily basis and meets uh, with his group. Will men ever make health a priority? Yes. I mean, you, 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 if I was to say no, then why are we doing this show? OK, there you they, go. they got to. They, I mean, they, you know, I got to believe in speaking into existence. Yes. I mean, so you said something earlier. You said the older we get the less we want to, you know, be engaged with folk. I just think the older we get, we start to realize where we are. I look at look at myself now at 57. You know, I've always had a high metabolism and to do this, that and the other. But I look forward to going to the office by myself when there's no one around me um, so that I can focus and regroup. I, I do look for that alone, but I spend that time with God and I'm meditating. I think we will begin to change the atmosphere when we reach back to those individuals between 18 and 24, because we're getting older. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't teach, you know, that, that term, you can't teach old dog new tricks, but we have to allow <laughs> young people, oh, you know that. <laughs> we have to allow young people to see and learn from our, we have to share our stories. Right. That's why I love to, and if I can tell a young person the mistake that I made, my prayer is that they're going to learn from my mistake and do differently. If I tell a young person, man, I didn't pay attention to my numbers. I didn't pay attention to my diabetes. I didn't pay attention to this. And look where I am. Sometimes a young person seeing what they could be is the best teacher. And so how we turn that around is, is up to us, you know, the senior statesmen, to reach back and tell that young person, we got, we got to instill in them. We got to. All right. I was I was in a meeting yesterday and a gentleman said something about financial literacy that 
kind of turned me around because he said, we don't want to talk about literacy because when you, if I, t- if I walk up and say, Dr. Bashir, I want to teach you about financial literacy, that means that, um, that, that I don't know something. Right. That, that kind of diminishes me. Like, you know, I know something you don't and you're not smart and you need to learn this. But when we talk about fluency. Right. We speak English, but then we still take English in school so that we become fluent in talking, fluent in speaking, fluent in writing. How can we get people? And this is to you, Dr. Bashir. How can we get people to be fluent in mental health? Because at some point. Even with our health, I, I I think the numbers make us fluent, right? But now I got to learn all the names that go through it. Mental health issues can be emotional, but disease is a completely different thing. So we're not talking about Alzheimer's and dementia. We're talking about things like depression, things that are chemical imbalances that can cause you to say, do, think in a completely different way. But how do we, and, and, I, and I guess I'll, I, eventually I'll have to get to, to, to Garrett because he's kind of perfected the way to translate that fluency. But even in your group, how do you get people to, to start to pick up the lingo? Uh, the first thing is to listen. That's what I noticed. I had to find out where the individuals are. So going off of what you're saying, Dr. King, you're right. You don't want to offend someone to think they don't know what they're talking about or they don't have any information. They're, but but the so first is to listen to them, to find out where their baseline. And that's where we start to be able to build on where you are or where you aren't. Right. So when we go into talk about mental health, when we start talking about it, we recognize that some men are at zero. Right. We know some men are literally at zero. And so you are building their health literacy by building off of that baseline of zero. And you're giving that information. The goal is. We want you to understand the larger view of it. But the main thing we want, Dr. Kent, is to know you. We can talk about everything under the sun, but what is going on with you directly? And that's what that's our focus. We talk about all the uh, the all of us program, precision medicine. We talk about our glasses only fits me and they only fit you that you have on your face. That's what we're getting the men to take ownership of themselves, because I only know what you tell me. I only know what you've given me from wherever you go to the doctor, what your symptoms are. I don't know. So that's why we have to go to the experts to find out what's going on with you because we're all different. And when you're going to talk to um, our brother Davis, uh, he's been able to get us to talk about it in a way that's not scary. Right. It's, it, it does. It's not offensive. It's not abrasive. It, it, like, it, like, it guides us in. There's a clip in the uh, movie where the men are sitting around. Um, and there's some on the sofas and they're having this conversation and the man is telling them about what's going on. They're joking about it. Right. But there was some another individual that was clear that they respected that was sharing all of these things that were going on uh, with him and what they need to do about it. And you can tell the men were listening. So when we do the men's health group, vicarious learning, we're all in a group and everyone is sharing. So you find out where people are and they build off of being zero to one or, or even more for the ones that know more. And, you know, Dr. King, every man, I think, within them, they're striving to be successful. Mm-hmm. Now, that's either, you know, broken down through hardships and, and bad times or they persevere and they get through that. And so I like to paint a picture because, you know, things are best understood in context. You ever heard the term, you know, get out of your own way? Yep. So what happens if, if I'm striving to be successful, if I'm striving to do all I can do, 
But I I need to understand early that it's not diabetes that can take you down. It's not Alzheimer's that can take me down. It's not it's, it's not being shot that can take me down. I can take my own self down and not get my dreams because I allowed stress and, and, and not knowing about what's going on with me mentally to take everything away from me. And I've gotten in my own way. So, Dr. Ken, let me share one piece. Let me share ahead. one piece. I promise. I promise. You've been, a man you've been the promising man. me for two weeks, <laughs> for, for <laughs> 10 years. I promise. <laughs> 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 so he's doing it. got me going because it got me thinking back. A, young, a man told me, younger guy at the men's group, he said, I had, they diagnosed me with ADHD as a kid, but no one helped me as an adult. I was not trained on how to deal with what I was dealing with as an adult. Do you know what I mean? So even at, at a younger age, as we talk about the youth, are having some of these issues. And some of our families, being very honest, don't even get us a diagnosis if we have any issues or not. Don't even give us the treatments if we need the treatments or not. Because we believe there's nothing wrong with my baby. Yes, it is something going on with your baby, right? And now the baby is grown. And now the baby is grown. Nothing to deal with. Go ahead, Brother Davis. I know it's, I'm talking to you. Then, then, so you didn't jump. To, you you didn't spark something else. So something as simple as a test that my son takes. My son could be labeled. Um, he needs. He needs help. As a parent, if I don't understand that, I could take a fifth and say my son does yep. not need help. My son's going. And I have put my son on a track of yes. for years to come, where you yes. got up. Other nationalities will take that help and then they will follow him all the way through college. Yes. But because is it about but, but is it about understanding having that fluency where you understand what someone is telling you? And, and it yeah, seems well, it goes back to the same issue just black people have in health care. We've heard it over and over and over, even yeah, with doctors, yeah. that yeah, people yeah. don't listen to black people when they tell them something is wrong. If you tell me my son or daughter has ADHD and then you don't give me a definition. You don't give me Correct. an understanding of the medication. You don't give me right. an understanding of a plan that they can that they can actually go to school and get a plan that will take them straight through college and they'll be great. And we don't do that because the fluency isn't there because because they speak in a yeah. different language. How do we break through that? We, we, we do what we're doing now. Then as we talk about the men's health group, we tell them one thing is know yourself. After you know yourself, tell your children. We talk about hereditary risk. You have you. This is the wait, wait, lineage. Wait, 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 about. wait, wait, wait. You got to say that again. You got to say that. Hered again. No, no, no. Hereditary Go back to the learn it and oh, then okay. tell who. After you know about yourself, now go tell your children. Hmm. Now go tell your offspring, tell your family, but wait, but wait, tell but everybody. Wait. Okay, I got I got to argue with you here. So I got to tell my kids I got diabetes. I got yes. heart disease. Yes, yes. Your grandmama died from this. Your grandfather yes. died so yes. that you can take care of yourself. So, so wow. Oh, let, me, let me help you out, Dr. East. If you don't tell your children, who are who, who going to tell them? Who are the, you, They're more inept to listen to you than to listen to someone else. So if it's your duty. It is your job to tell your children about your health. There it is. So when you get in a situation where you can't tell yourself, now you put unforced mm. burden on your child to take care of a man who has no clue and they don't know what to do. And so and I've gotten sick. I'm on my deathbed. I can't talk. And, and kiddo, kiddo needs to know that in 20 years, if I don't do, 
if I do what daddy did, I'm going to end up like daddy. So when we talk about hereditary risk that we're building up Ooh. the DNA understanding, you have a piece of you, you have a piece of your mother, a piece of your daddy, a piece of your mother, and you have you and your experience. That's your makeup of your DNA. Wow. You're going to pass that on to your children. They need to know everything that, go, that goes on. And that's what we're trying to build with the, the men's health group is to build you from your baseline to then get you to your DNA. And that encompasses all of you, your mind, your body and your spirit. All of that is what we're discussing. So you have a complete picture of yourself to then share to others and not someone telling you who you are. So internally, it's all of us. But then as a community, it's all of us, too. Yes. And that seems to be the difficult part. And so we have this this uh, jewel of an organization sitting in a community that can literally change the face of medicine, mental health through, throughout an entire African-American community. And mm-hmm. how do we flip that? How do we get that to everybody? So the, well, the biggest thing is that we've been doing is having these sessions, right? We have a women's group that now has been built and uh, spearheaded from the men's group that now building that capacity. The other thing is, as they are moving forward in this initiative of building their capacity of health and understanding is they will bring that to everyone else. We say, don't just come yourself, bring somebody with you. Right. And so that is our goal is to mm. keep step by step, person by person to be able to do that. this platform, Dr. Ken is exactly what we're doing to make people understand in here. That's what we're talking about. It comes from our voices. It comes from our experiences, but bringing people in. I know as we continue on, we're going to bring people, be able to tell their experiences, not just hearing it from me or you or Dr. Davis or the or, or, uh, or, uh, Pastor Locke or Ken or Clem. They're going to hear from those men's voices to tell you what they have gone through as they move forward. All right. You're listening to Men Making Health a Priority. Men and Mental Health, our guests are... Of course, Dr. Bashir Easter and Garrett Davis. And when we come back, it'll be the Garrett Davis segment because we are going to do a deep dive into Daddy's Boys. We'll be right back. This is Men Making Health a Priority, presented by All of Us Milwaukee at the Center for Community Engagement and Health Partnerships on the new 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. We're back with Men Making health priority men and mental health. This is Mental Health Month. So we've been talking to Dr. Bashir Easter from All of Us, Assistant Director, Milwaukee, along with Garrett Davis, who I'm still jealous of because, you know, he's a filmmaker and I'm just some radio guy. <laughs> but he's you did a phenomenal thing. You helped men all around the world understand and recognize mental health. Essentially, you you gave them mental health fluency. You made them understand what it means, how it looks through this movie called Daddy's Boys. Can you give us a synopsis of this movie? Why is it important for black men to see? And Dr. Easter, can you tell us where we can connect with those men who resonate with this movie? Garrett? So Daddy's Boys um, came up about four years ago. I met a gentleman by the name of Thomas Farrington, who the CEO of the Prostate Health Education Network. And he wanted to do a production that dealt with prostate cancer. And so we came up with a storyline um, of, of a man who was, who was a widow, but he had three sons. And he was the breadwinner, very successful in his family, very successful. One son who was spoiled rotten, 
one who, who he had problems with his lifestyle because he wanted to be a dancer and, and you know, very great dancer, went off to Juilliard. And another son who was just like him is an engineer. So you got three different types of people. But um, I wanted to do a show to show how men don't talk. And that's that's, you know, that's prevalent sometimes in, in, in the men community. And I wanted men to see for themselves. A lot of times we go to a theater, we go to a play, we go to a movie. You know, it doesn't resonate with us until we see something that looks like us. And so if I can create a storyline of men who don't talk and what are the outcomes of men not talking, it may make them change their mind when they go back home to have a conversation with their wife who's been nagging them about going to the doctor. And so now I got a different perspective of why my wife is nagging me. Okay. Now, from a wife's perspective, she's not nagging me. What she is doing is trying to protect me because a woman comes from the rib of a man, which protects the most vital organs. So it's in her nature to be protective. So if you don't understand that, you call it nagging, but it's the woman's nature. So getting back to daddy's boys, daddy's boys shows how men, when they do talk, they have something to say, but they have to be in a safe environment. And so when they're in that safe environment, they'll begin to share things. And so those brothers got together and one brother was saying, man, I'm just, you know, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not depressed. I work out. And he said, Dude, that's a, that, that's what happens when you when, when you depress, you work out, you do this, you do that. And so while one is giving excuses, another brother is telling him, dude, that's that's an excuse. You need to check and check, check, check on yourself. And so and they talk about I'm going to go see someone. But it took him a lot to tell his brothers that he was going to go see someone. And so the thing is, I wanted to create you know, a film that showed men what happens when they just let, just take the covers down and begin to talk with themselves. And we call it daddy's boys because I wanted to be all about men. You know, they could have been mama's boys, but it wouldn't have been the same effect. I wanted to be pro-men, pro-masculine, and so that men can have a way to talk and to share things and, and, and to take it to the next level. So with this film, you're the producer, director, you're the writer. And that sounds good, but the truth is the more parts you play, the less you pay. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) That is so very true. That is so very true. But, but man, you know, God is blessed. Um, Daddy's Boys started off as as a stage play, and we've had over one million views on the episodes that we've created thus far. The episode that we gave to Dr. Easter, we created that for AARP, dealing with men's mental health. You know, we launched G. Davis TV last month. If you have Roku or Amazon Fire or Apple, you can download the um, G. Davis TV app, and you can see this this episode that we're talking about. And we're up to close to a million views with that one episode by itself. And so, you know, that encourages me that the message is, the message is getting out. And we just want to, you know, to create, continue to create programming that allows our men and women and families and young people to let that to be the icebreaker to start having those conversations. We don't want to give you an answer. We just want to show you the problem, give you a solution and let you pick the answer because we all know we don't like being told what to do. But if you give us options, we'll, as long as you pick the right one, you know, as long as you're drinking water, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> now, now, before we get to Dr. Easter, your background, where, where are you from? What do you do? School, work? Yeah, from a, I'm from a little town called Lick Skillet, North Carolina. Yes, there is such a place. Lick Skillet, North Carolina, 40 minutes north of Raleigh. It's Warrington, North Carolina. I don't care how big I get. I always remember where I come from. Lick Skillet, North Carolina. I went to Fayetteville State uh, on a basketball scholarship, um, um, but got hurt and went home. My grandma, grandmother and grandfather drove me back to Fayetteville in a 69 Cadillac and said, you're going to stay here. If you have to walk on crutches for four years, you're going to get an education. 
And that's when I, um, you know, uh, majored in radio and TV broadcasting. Um, at 22, I was the youngest program director of a 100,000-watt NPR affiliate radio station. Um, owned a radio station at 24, a um, little AM gospel station, and um, wrote a play to to raise money for the station. I made more money um, doing that play, and that's when I left radio and I started, <laughs> I started doing theater. And I've been doing theater for 30, 30 plus years and second year into film. And, you know, I give God all the credit, man. I, I don't do it mm-hmm. for, for I do it for what I'm doing, what I, how I'm talking with you guys now, I'm trying to create programming that people can see. And that's why I created G. Davis TV, so we can have a hub, so we can send people, no matter what state you're in, just tell them, you know, to go to Roku, Amazon Fire, and download, and they can see what we're talking about. So, Dr. Bashir, something you're good at, connecting the dots. How do I get from, from your group to Daddy's Boys or Daddy's Boys to your group? How'd that work? Yeah, so I, I have to give credit. Uh, 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 my director, Gina Green Harris, is the one that introduced me to Garrett Davis for his first play was the Forgive Me Not play. That was how I got to know him and the work he did. Phenomenal. Uh, what we've done with the All of Us team um, is to be able to have the men's group. Um, if you want to connect with us, you go to allofus.wisc, that's W-I-S-C dot E-D-U, and that will allow you to be able to connect with us with our different events that we do Uh, the last Friday of every month of the men's health group. Uh, We have a group that we talked about, the Wolf Pack, that is going to be the the group that we're going to go through the full uh, process of knowing the numbers all the way to their DNA and then reporting back some of the things that they've gone through by doing this. And so we're encouraging the men. The other thing that we're focusing on is always give back. You enroll into the All of Us program. You get $25 to be a part of it. You do get back your ancestry information. You get back your uh, other information. Yeah. Accessory information. You do get back your 59 genes and your seven. That's 59 genes of hereditary risk and your seven genes of, of medication sensitivity, which is very important when we talk about the health literacy piece. Right. Building that capacity. The thing that we want to make sure is, is that you're getting your give back. Garrett Davis and his work is give back. This is what we're bringing to the men. Knowing the numbers is all give back. We understand that research doing undue influence, we don't, that's not something we don't do. That's why we're not paying people out. The thing is, we information, services, and supports is gold. And so that's why our model of these cohort models that we're building and moving forward is what we're doing. And that's how we do it. So why can't I know that as a black man in America, right? Um, and, and I understand the power of all of us, right? I understand the power nationwide that, that people decided to come together and create this thing, right? How can we really, really reach black men where they are? Uh, it really is starting, as he said, starting at zero. Finding a safe space for them to talk. Finding a safe space for them to talk. And then bring the professionals to them. Sending the men out at a certain point is not working. You have to bring the people to them. There's a their captive audience. And then you have to hold them accountable. And how, by holding them accountable is having other men around. So we're recognizing that you have, as our Brother David said, you have more men around you that, that, that see you and understand what's going on with you. As we talk about, 
they're going to hold you accountable because they're going to check in on you. Now, when and you so say accountable, what, what do you, what, what do you mean by accountable? I mean, you know, so I don't, I don't is, want y'all harassing me and I show up and oh, no, what you it. doing and where you going and all that. You know, you know how y'all can get. We need that. We need that. As many, we need every bit of that because one thing that does not lie are those numbers that you get back from the doctor. Mm-hmm. Right? You Those numbers don't lie. And so now it's what are we going to do? Let me help you. I have struggles too. So I'm not perfect. So let me tell you what I'm doing to work with mine. We are all human, have the same numbers that are coming back in regards to understanding our panels. It's what are those numbers? Are they high and low? How do we figure them out? You, the goal is to empower and to equip you to know that. All right. So, so once, once again, you've done it to me again. I'm not talking to Doctor Easter anymore because he made me feel bad. Because now I got to figure out all this stuff and I got to join and pay. And yeah, okay. Okay. Sorry. So, sorry. so yeah. So you I'm gonna talk to. I'm gonna talk to Brother Davis. I'm talking to Brother Davis because Brother, you know, Doctor Bashir be trying to make me feel bad and make me be accountable for all this stuff. And so and so with with mental health, it's the same. We have to be we we have to look at ourselves, but then we have to hold our hold ourselves accountable to other men. But isn't isn't that a and we only have a, about a minute and a half to go, but is isn't that a a a gray area for me to really talk to another man about his mental health? So so no, it's not a gray area. This is my answer to that. Mm-hmm. You want to be accountable so you're not doing it on your own. You know what I'm saying? One person would look at it saying, why do I got to tell another man everything? I'm looking at it from the standpoint, I'm not in this by myself. Everybody needs somebody. Okay? Barney head Andy, <laughs> Batman head Robin, Superman. Everybody needs somebody, man. You, you can, no man is an island. Hmm. So what I'm hearing is it really is about all of us. And in order to mm-hmm. not be alone, it has to be all of us together. And accountable. I'm giving you permission to call me at I don't care when and say, gee, you okay? That's all I need to know. If you okay? And then hang up. I'm giving you permission to access my life. I'll give you my number. And so I think we need to start that. We need to start something. With, you know, I'll give you my cell number. I don't care when you call or when you text. I'm just te- texting you to say, are you okay? Hit me back and I'll promise to hit you back. Thank you so much. Garrett Davis, the... Everything of Daddy's Boys, executive producer, producer, director, writer, and also our co-host, Dr. Bashir Easter. Thank you both for being with us this week. Thank you, Dr. Um, no, thank you, Dr. King, for doing this. Right. Congratulations, you know your award, brother. Congratulations, you. well deserved. I appreciate well deserved. that. Thank you so much. But next week, in uh, two weeks, we're going to be having part two of this because this is Mental Health Month. I think that's the most important thing that men need to know. And we'll be talking to Clem Richardson, who probably scares me more than anybody because he's a licensed professional counselor. (laughs) Much, (laughs) much like my daughter. I stopped talking to her, too, because she was too smart. And so we'll we'll really take another deep dive. And so if, if we look at the film in terms of the the, you know, starting the fire. We'll really jump in and really talk about what it takes and while you're in the fire, how to come out of it a better man. So thank you both for being here this week. Men and mental health, men making health a priority. I'm Dr. Ken Harris. Thank you for listening.